Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast through SoundCloud and jconline.com. Mike Carmen covers Purdue sports for the Journal and Courier and jconline.com. Been a long time, a couple months, or eh, maybe not a couple months for the podcast. And the last one I did happened after Matt Harms uh, uh, decided to transfer. Well, he ended up at BYU. And since then, Nojo Eastern moved into the transfer portal. Uh, allegedly, he's going to Michigan, although there's been no acknowledgement from Michigan that that's going to happen. He also put his name in the NBA uh, draft uh, to gauge progress <laughs> towards being an NBA player. Uh, I haven't seen anything where he's removed his name, but to me, he's kind of in limbo. And that's one of the couple of things we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to go through a few topics uh, today. We're not going to get to everything since uh, the virus started and shut down college sports uh, across the country, uh, but hope to make the podcast a little bit more of a regular basis. It's not like I haven't had time because there's just not a lot of sports going on. The best live sports that have been going on that I've been able to watch is horse racing. And Churchill Downs opened up uh, a couple weeks ago. No fans. Uh, New York and Belmont and some other tracks southeast are going to open up soon. And then saw today, uh, recording this on Wednesday, May 27th, saw today that Keeneland's going to have a week of meets coming up. No fans, but you're able to watch. So there is some live sports going on. And, of course, there were a couple of made-for-TV things, the golf outing. And um, I, I watched a little bit of that, really couldn't get into it. Uh, and some other stuff that's uh, that's going on. Uh, of course, the last dance. I'm sure everybody had a chance to see parts of that, and you know, I, I watched it live. <laughs> Not only when it happened, but then all these years later. But anyway, I uh, hope to make the podcast a little bit more on a, of a regular basis and uh, try to get some uh, thoughts and uh, stuff out there as uh, as we move toward uh, the summer uh, and we move toward possibly college sports season, in particular football season. Uh, As of today, nothing really has changed over the last week or so. Now, I mean, some things have changed where the NCAA has lifted restrictions on athletes coming back for, quote, voluntary workouts. Uh, And a lot, some schools have announced when that's going to happen. Purdue, as of today, has not announced when that will happen. Uh, but I have to think that football will be one of the first sports back probably next week because um, June 1st is Monday. I would anticipate football getting back after it uh, in their voluntary workouts uh, uh, probably next week, middle to, to late next week. Now, things change because, uh, yet you know, there are protocols and there's a lot of safety measures that have to be in place for all this to happen, but it's a positive sign that – we're probably going to have some form of football in the fall, in the fall assuming um, the virus doesn't come back in, in a way that it, it begins to spread. Uh, and then a lot more people are tested. And then through the test, I mean, and then, you know, you don't want the deaths are going to be the determining factor. Probably, you know, how much is going to be done. Purdue's campus is going to be open in the fall as of today. A lot of other schools have adopted a similar calendar where they're going to start in August and then wrap up by Thanksgiving, uh, eliminate the uh, the breaks, no Labor Day, 
uh, at least on traditional Labor Day. From Purdue's standpoint, Labor Day will be like December 23rd uh, in the new calendar. Uh, but no fall break. You're just kind of going straight through. I know Notre Dame is going to start in early August and go through Thanksgiving. That might have been a good plan for Purdue to start earlier and then go through uh, Thanksgiving, but a lot of schools are, are headed that, uh, that headed that direction. And the overriding theme has been if there's, as long as there are students on campus, then fall sports will probably return. But there are, there are some schools that have not made that announcement yet. Michigan is, is one of them. As of today, they haven't said, you know, what the situation will be on campus, uh, for, for their university. Uh, so there's a, still a lot of unknowns, a lot of moving parts. Things can change daily, and things will change daily. But as soon as you know, athletes get back on campus at a full-time basis, start their individual workouts, voluntary workouts, uh, and get back into the routine, then you're probably you know we we move a little bit closer to um, to sports as, as as we know it. But we still don't know what the seasons uh, are going to look like. You know, you, you can look at football, for example. Yes, the, the September 5th uh, is the opener for Purdue at Nebraska. Uh, but will that stay on September 5th? Will there be adjustments to that to the, the overall schedule? Will the, will the schedule be more of conference games and not non-conference games? I mean, there's still, I think, a lot of debate out there. I don't think people are willing to, to set in stone right yet exactly – what the season's going to look like because you don't know what the next turn of events will be that changes uh, some of this. It may not impact Purdue here in West Lafayette, but it may impact another Big Ten school where there's an outbreak or uh, more cases or more um, people in that in in that community uh, are testing positive for the for the virus. So. Um, it's hard to make concrete plans when you know that uh, they're probably going to change at some point. I think everyone, uh, the administrators, uh, the NCAA, the Big Ten, all the Power Five conferences, all the conferences have, you know, they, I think they have a lot of contingency, contingency plans uh, kind of ready to go. And I do think this will be, when we get back into college athletics, especially football, I, I do think this will be, a situation where all the Power Five conferences uh, probably move at the same pace, move uh, with the same schedule, uh, the same parameters in mind, because at the end you do want to have uh, a college football playoff, and you have to have some, you know, somewhat of an equal playing field to get there. Now, under the normal circumstances, there there's not a complete level playing field because some conferences play nine league games as the Big Ten does and others play eight. So there, there's a little bit of an uh, une, uh, uneven playing field there. But, um, you know, I, I think they're going to try to get, you know, everybody, at least in the Power Five leagues, whether they're playing the same number of games, whether they're just playing conference games. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably what they're going to work toward. And the NCAA really has no say-so in that because they don't control the championship. This is the one sport the NCAA really can't control. They can't control football. They, they can't cancel anything in football because they don't control it. it it's run by the conferences. Uh, it's run by the bowls. Uh, so, and it's been that way for years. And 
and this is a completely different podcast that would probably happen down the road, but I, I feel this is the time for the power five schools just to kind of break away from the NCAA, create their own association, their own rules. I mean, you have name, image, and likeness coming up that conferences still continue to fight. You know, if you've seen some stories out there about the money that they've spent, you know, lobbying Congress and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I just, this is the moment to kind of break away from the, the NCAA and, you know, what, what they've been about. Because uh, you'll, you'll get the big TV contracts. You already do for football. You would get the big TV contract for basketball because CBS and Turner are not going to pay the NCAA uh, a lot of millions of dollars to broadcast basically Mac schools and Sunbelt schools, Sunbelt conference schools playing in, in, in that NCAA tournament where if you have all the Pyre 5 schools together in a tournament, then you know that, that's going to be the more lucrative uh, one that they'll go to. But there, there are many, many things, and this has been talked about before, but this may be the time to do it. And it's also the time to readjust how, uh, how sports are played, how college athletics are played, or even at, at the high school level, how, you know, when, when are sports played? You know, this is a time maybe to step back and look at the college level and say, you know what, volleyball works better in the spring. Got more TV windows for them. Uh, you're not crowded up against football. You've got uh, more freedom uh, with facilities uh, in, in the spring. You could start it right after the Final Four, assuming the Final Four stays on, uh, on that date, uh, and then have a, you know, have a, have a season. And I do think volleyball is a sport that is gaining momentum. Uh, it is gaining fan interest. And I, I think if you put it in a place where people would watch it uh, and go to it, and there are, there, the attendance numbers are really good. You know, I know they are in the Big Ten because the Big Ten is, you know, the, the best conference in the league or best conference in the country when it comes to volleyball. But the attendance numbers are great. I, I just think it would bring more attention to the sport. Uh, if you if you did it in the spring, and I'm sure TV could find a way to to get that done. And but you know you can change golfs, you can change tennises, you can you can do a lot of different things. I, I do think we'll see some changes in schedules coming up for this academic year. You know, and uh, John Cook, the volleyball coach at Nebraska, has said that um, the, the one one idea the league is talking about is playing only conference matches in the Big Ten for this for this year and this year only, and getting the NCAA championship wrapped up by uh, Thanksgiving. I, I think everybody's kind of preparing themselves for a second wave of the virus. If we don't get a second bump from what's going on right now across the country where things are opening up and people are having massive pool parties and probably doing a lot of things they shouldn't be doing. Um, but if the whole goal is to wrap up school by the end of Thanksgiving, then you could see a lot more sports outside of football try to wrap up things before Thanksgiving in preparing for a potential second wave of this virus to to hit or some other things. And it, it has led me to believe, not believe, but it has led me to think, because I, I have no knowledge what December looks like from a sports standpoint. I mean, in the past, you have basketball games. Uh, you'd have volleyball championships. You have other things that go on. But if if schools are trying to get done by Thanksgiving in anticipation of a second wave of, of this virus, 
coming back in the fall, in the winter? What does sports look like in December? I mean, are we looking at a situation where we may not have sports as we know it in, in December? And I, I know games have been announced. You know, Purdue basketball is supposed to play in West Virginia in, in, in Brooklyn in December. They've got a couple other games going on uh, that they'll play. You have the Big Ten ACC Challenge, uh, you know, producing the Gavit games, but that's usually in November. But my point is that if all these schools are trying to get get out by Thanksgiving, get their students home, um, what does that mean for the month of December? I mean, I, I just can't. I mean, I, I, right now I can't see that being business as usual in December uh, from, a, from a college athletic standpoint. You know, I, I think this much is certain. You're not going to have full stadiums. You're not going to have crowds uh, at – most sporting events this year. I know some schools have already said that they'll limit it to 30,000 for football. You know, other schools have not gone that far yet. Um, you know, Iowa state was one that said that they're going to limit their capacity to 30,000, which is going to them. It's going to be all season ticket holders. Uh, I think they have 22, 23,000 right now, uh, season ticket holders. So basically, you'd have to buy a season ticket to get in, um, and there'll be no there would be no single game tickets. I don't I don't know if everybody will go that direction, but I, crowds are going to be limited. Number one, uh, you know, will will students be allowed? And students probably should be allowed. And if and this has been thrown out there before, but if you are going to have crowds at your games, why not just make them all students? Because these are the the people that interact with the athletes the most on campus, uh, and you would you're kind of in that protective bubble a little bit uh, and you're not exposing um, people to, you know, uh, the potential spread uh, of the virus, you know, so it's, you know, a lot of ideas out there, you know, we're not going to know for sure for a while how it's going to be, but I do worry about what December looks like if all these schools are, are done and everybody's gone home. You know, what does that mean for the month of December? What's that mean for um, second semester classes? Uh, I saw earlier today where Indiana has um, put out their calendar for the 2020-21 academic year. And it, in the spring, they've eliminated the sp their spring break. Uh, and, you know, when you eliminate a spring break like that, the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, that's when spring sports are going to Florida, going to Texas, going to South Carolina, going other other places to play. Does that take all that off the table? And how does the financial impact of all this uh, create challenges for, for all the sports outside of football and men's basketball? Because... Uh, you know, you're going to see cutbacks. You're going to see different variations of what, what's going to go on. I would imagine you'll see more of a regionalized schedule with uh, all those other sports, uh, at least for this one year, and, you know, just kind of change. But it, as I said earlier, this is a chance maybe to reset things and get them to where they, they need to be, where they're, they're, they're more beneficial to everyone. You streamline some costs. And you make the sports healthier. I know there's a proposal out there for college baseball to start four weeks later. Uh, and the savings that would come with that um, is something that really needs to be considered and probably probably done to, to, to 
help the sport, to keep the sport uh, viable and healthy. But you know, you have so much red tape with the NCAA that getting something like, like that done just takes takes forever. You know, we've seen things how long they take with the NCAA because there's so much resistant resistance at the top of the uh, of the of the leadership ladder to to make changes. Um, but if you were your own organization, those things move a little bit quicker. But anyway. That was a tangent that uh, we got on, but but from a football standpoint, again, I, I think you'll you should see Purdue back at least in some form uh, next week, uh, doing their voluntary workouts. Whether Purdue is going to come back, bring their athletes back in phases, they're going to bring them back all at once. What kind of testing is involved? What kind of you know how, how much are these athletes going to be monitored? And if if there are positive, you know, there will be positive tests. That's just the bottom line, there will be positive tests. What happens to those athletes when they, when they test positive, are they quarantined for 14 days? Um, and how does that, how does that affect the program? I mean, you know, what if the quarterback room, each quarterback tests positive for the virus, uh, in late August, they'll have to sit for 14 days. And is Purdue going to, you know, mandate that who's going to make sure that that happens. Um, so, I mean, it's, there's a lot, a lot of questions out there that remain to get answered, but athletes will be back. They'll start doing their business. Uh, you know, basketball will start getting back probably the middle of June, I would guess. Um, cause if you, know, if you look at, you know, when summer school is supposed to start, that's usually when that's tied, uh, tied into, into their arrival, so you got a lot of a lot of things that are that are going to happen, but like they're going to have to. Everybody's going to work in small groups initially. There's going to be a lot of safety guidelines uh, and, and stuff like that. It's going to be new. It's going to be different, uh, but at least they'll be getting the work in, and then they'll they'll kind of all not be doing it all together, but they'll all be the, they'll be on campus. But you know, football obviously is is the me, the major one because it's the next one up, and it it dictates so much of what happens in a in an athletic department and a university and a community that you know those games are vital to the financial well-being of uh, everyone in that in that athletic department and to some degree the university so uh you know I, I think that's why there's a big determination yes there is a lot of money involved and it's just not pure greed why there's such a push to play football at the college level, you know, you're trying to keep from furloughing your employees, uh, pay cuts, uh, you know, severe pay cuts, uh, you know, college football will be impacted in some way, which if college football is impacted, that means athletic departments are impacted financially. You know, I, I think you're going to, that, that's going to happen because I, I just don't see full stadiums. You know, what we saw last year with college football is not what you're going to see this year. Just, it just can't happen. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't. It, I'll just say this: it doesn't seem to be on a path right now for that to happen. I just don't think uh, the governors of states are going to allow that to happen. Um, packing fifty thousand people in one place with no social distancing whatsoever just seems ludicrous at this time, and it goes against everything that the scientists and the med- medical people say. So I, I would just prepare yourself that 
there's going to be very few fans in the stand. There may not be any. And I probably the best solution overall from a health and safety standpoint is not to have fans in the stand. Now, financially, you'd like to have some. You'd like to recoup some of your money. You'd like to keep that that part of your business going, and it is a business. But, um, you know, if everyone is going to preach health and safety, then they have to do it by their actions. I, I just feel like you hear a lot of rhetoric about, oh, health and safety's first, blah, 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 but we're going to play football anyway. And I'm not saying they shouldn't play football. I'm just saying don't preach health and safety. Don't preach all these things. And then, oh, oh, by the way, we're going we're gonna to play football. We're going to have packed stadiums. We're going to put 100 guys in a locker room. We're going to do all this kind of stuff that kind of defies what we should be doing anyway. So basically, you know, you're, you're giving the middle finger to the scientists and the medical people. Yeah, we hear what you're saying, but, yeah, we want to play football. It's similar to pro sports where the medical people are saying A, B, and C, and the owners are like, oh, yeah, we hear you, but – we got to play. We got to play baseball. We got to play football. We got to play basketball. We have to do that. And there, you know, there's the economic impact of it. I'm not. The economy needs to get back going. I get it. But how many people are going to restaurants right now and sitting down having a meal? I'm not. It doesn't mean you won't. And you're you're free to make that decision. But uh, I just think people are just going to be hesitant for a long time until you get a vaccine, or you get a way to. Uh, to to get a handle on this virus, to make sure it doesn't spread the way that that, that it was uh, spreading, and probably in some parts of the country, and I know across the world it is spreading, but you know in, in the country at least it slowed down just a little bit, but it doesn't take much to to get it back going again. So uh, that that part has bothered me a lot. Where, yeah, we're listening to. All the medical people, we're, we're doing this, we're doing that. But, yeah, we know what they say, but we're going to go play anyway. We're going to practice, we're going to play, we're going to do all this. And I know, you know, I, I know that we need it for our, our well-being to watch live sports and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at some point you just got to take a step back and uh, look at the bigger picture. Not the big picture, but the bigger picture of what, what it kind of all all that means in, in, in the big, in the big landscape of, of, of what we're trying to get accomplished here and what, what's going to happen. And, you know, our community needs college football Saturdays from an economic standpoint, every community that has a big 10 school in it or sec school, they need it. And, you know, we're, we're moving in that direction. I just hope, you know, when we get there that things are, things are being done in the right way and with the right motivation in mind and not just for the fact that we need the TV money. And there's a lot, you know, TV money is huge. It's huge for Purdue. It makes up 60% or so, probably more of its uh, overall budget. Uh, But it's, you know, at what price are you going to pay just to get your, your games on TV? And speaking of TV, the fact you know, things are still moving slow and things are still fluid. You know, usually by this time of the year, before June 1st or by June 1st, the first three weeks of the football season, you, we have game times for those first three weeks along with homecoming games, uh, at least in the Big Ten, and that's usually the way it is across college football because that's the way the contracts 
are written. You're giving you're giving schools enough uh, runway time to to plan their homecoming games, whether it's going to be a noon game, whether it's going to be a night game, and usually get the night games at least in the first three weeks of the season, so things can get planned accordingly from an event standpoint. But uh, they came out the other day and said that they were not going to be announcing any game times until there's a better better handle on you know what the college football season uh, is going to look like now how far are they willing to go with that I, I have no idea um, it, it may be it may be a situation this year where every every week is a uh, a six day run up or a 12 day window for to pick the game times Uh just because that's the way it has to be because there's just so much uncertainty. Uh, and, I, you know, I think even if college football starts on time, there's going to be a degree of uncertainty as you get through the fall because you're going to, you know, you're going to hear and you're going to see about pockets of, uh, of uh, positive tests across the country and what does that mean uh, when it comes to game day and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, buckle up for a lot of months and weeks of uncertainty uh, coming up, that's just the way it is. I mean, you, everyone's just going to have to deal with it. Uh, you know, I have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. You know, and uh, I want sports back just as much as anybody because this is my livelihood. Without sports, I probably don't have a job. Uh, so uh, we, you know, we need it back for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I, you know, I think we're again every day. It seems like we're moving closer to that, and that's fine. You know, the pro sports are different than the college sports. And it's hard to read, well, the pro sports are starting, so college sports should start back too. Uh, they're, they're different animals. They're different beasts. The, you know, pro sports players, they have unions. Uh, and there's negotiation. I mean, the, the players in college have no union. They're just they're told what to do. And the interesting, one interesting thing to me is, like, who consulted with the college athletes about coming back and whether June 1st was – a good date for them to come back. I am sure they are all eager to get back and work out with their teammates and do the things that they're used to doing on campus. There's no doubt in my mind they all want to do it, but did anybody ask them, do you feel comfortable coming back? Do you feel safe doing this? I'm sure nobody asked them because at the end of the day, the the administrators and everybody – they all say that they're, you know, the health and the well-being of the student-athletes is the number one priority. And I believe them when they say that. I think that's that's true. But I don't think anybody asked them. No one called them on the phone or sent them a text. Does this work for you? Or they're just, you know, whatever parameters are going to be in place are going to be in place, regardless of whether the student-athletes were asked or not. And, you know, the grown-ups in this situation are making the decisions and the student athletes have no choice, but to go along with it. Uh, so that thing, that's a little bothersome to me, but they don't have a group that represents them. And I know there's been a couple stories written that maybe this is the time that college athletics has a union to make sure that health and safety is at the forefront of all this and, uh, everything's being done. Uh, I mean, how many positive tests does it take on a campus or in an athletic department to, to put the pause button on. I mean, what, what will it take? Because you're going to have positive tests. That's just the way it is. You get a group together. You know, Purdue has 500 athletes. They're all not going to be here at once, but 
if you have 100 athletes or 200 athletes here at once, they're sharing the facilities, they're, they're doing a lot of the same things. You can keep them in small groups, yes. There's a lot of things you, that, that'll be done, but how many positive tests does it, does it take for, for people to take a step back? Or you know, what's the, you know, how, many, how many positive tests are, are people willing to accept out of this? And, you know, and that's a question that nobody would answer or will answer, uh, but they're, they're going to happen. And, you know, we talked a little bit before about, you know, okay, get a positive test. You got to sit out 14 days, according to the, the CDC guidelines right now and how that all kind of happens. But anyway, football should be getting back going here in a little bit. And, you know, as we get a little bit closer and things start to happen, actually talk about football you know, and kind of bring you up to speed on some just developments in football, you know, over the last couple of months, they, you know, they've picked up some graduate transfers, um, which, you know, were most were really needed. Uh, you know, the picked up a quarterback from, from, uh, uh, UCLA, Austin Burton, who's going to come in and compete. I think that, uh, you know, that's a good thing for Purdue. Uh, he would, uh, Burton seemed to, would seem to fit what, Jeff Brom uh, is looking for in a quarterback these days. Um, a little bit more mobility, um, some dual threat uh, capability there. Um, but he started one game. Uh, he won't get to campus, assuming he can, till July. Uh, so he, he's behind. You know, Jack Plummer would still, in my mind, be your number one quarterback going into the season as of today. But you know, this could also be a year where uh, we're back to seeing Brom play two quarterbacks uh, based on performance or based on other things, uh, kind of similar to what happened his his first season. Now, some of that was injury-related, why he played two quarterbacks. Or you know, we could see three quarterbacks with Aiden O'Connell. I think he's, in his game action, he's done enough to be in the conversation and have a shot. Um, but you know, that, that wouldn't surprise me this year if the season starts on time and we have a normal season that, that, uh, Brom goes and uses, a, uses two or maybe three quarterbacks in a game just to, to get through the game and, and see what kind of spark there is. And, you know, cause not every, every guy is going to be great at the start of the game and you make changes throughout the lineup when, when guys are struggling. And that, that to me, that's kind of something interesting to watch. Uh, will be interesting to watch is how the quarterback situ- situation is managed uh, this year, and whether um, again Burton's had one start. Um, he looked good in the one start. Uh, he came out of high school highly, highly touted. Uh, so, can he step right in? Can he slide right in and, and show off that talent? And how does that match up with? the knowledge Plummer has in the system, the knowledge that O'Connell has in the system. Um, and can that, can that win them the job or at least get them a, a bulk of the playing time? So, you know, that'll be one area to watch as they start to practice and then eventually get in uh, to training camp. But, you know, football has uh, they've done well in recruiting still so far. A lot of recruits are committing uh, right now because there's really nothing else for them to do other than work out. So they think about their college choices. Uh, June has been a busy month in the past for Purdue when it comes to commitments. 
it's hard to tell in this environment whether that'll be the case or not. Uh, the NCAA still has a ban on uh, unofficial and official visits, so you can't get out and visit places, uh, which has forced uh, some you know forced some athletes to make decisions, maybe a little bit ahead of what they would normally do. But also think schools have done a good job with the virtual uh, campus visits. Uh, videos and everything else that's going on. I think a lot of schools have stepped up in that area uh, to, to put parents and to put athletes in positions where they they feel like they're on campus and they are interacting with people and they're getting getting the ability to see uh, wh- what's there. And in this 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 kind of situation will probably continue even when we get back to a you know, whatever we deem normal before that. Um, there's a lot of things that are going on in recruiting that will probably carry over. Uh, but there's nothing like visiting a place and being there and interacting with people. Uh, you know, that part will always be big, but, you know, schools have, I think, done a good job of uh, adjusting and uh, getting things done. You know, Yanni Karloftis is kind of an example, and there's a story on jcline.com. He's trimmed his list of four schools, uh, but two of the schools, Cal and Oregon, he's yet to visit and he can't visit them until, um, he can't officially visit them or even unofficially visit them until the NCAA lifts a recruiting ban. And there's talk of maybe the NCAA extending that through July and Yanni wants to commit before his season starts, which traditionally has been in the middle of August. Now, you know, we don't know about high school sports, at least in our area or Indiana yet, because we don't know what. Uh, the school situation is going to look like for for the fall, but you know there could be an adjustment to the high school season. How that impacts what Yanni eventually wants to do, um, you know, that's something that he you know he's dealing with. He will have to deal with. I mean, he did say in the story that if he can't get out to Cal and Oregon, it's going to be hard to go to those places because he needs to have a comfort level as far as where he wants to go, and that would most likely leave Purdue and Wisconsin as uh, his top two choices. Uh, and then uh, you, know, you kind of go from there. But if things get opened up in July, I could see him taking visits out there and then really making uh, the decision that he wants to make and having all the information he wants to have in, in order to do that. So, you know, that's something that's probably going to, you know, get done as far as his decision probably over the next couple months. Uh, but, you know, kind of keep an eye out for what the NCAA is doing as far as visits are concerned, whether um, he can get out to, to Cal and Oregon. And, you know, those those are the four schools that he's he's, he's focused on right now. It uh, doesn't mean things can't change, uh, but he's also planning to enroll in January. Uh, so he's, he's put himself on a, on a timeline that I think that he's going to fulfill. And, uh, you know, I think, I think he'll make a decision. Uh, before his football season. Uh, turning to basketball, we mentioned Eastern and Harms at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, this leaves Purdue basketball with no seniors. Uh, as of right now, they are looking to maybe add a graduate transfer, a one-year guy, preferably a backup center uh, that can come in for one year and, and play behind Travion Williams. You know, the graduate transfer market is, you know, to me it's pretty simple. Guys leave one place. And they graduate transfers so they can play immediately. And they only do it for one reason, to play, to have playing time. 
And what Purdue is selling really doesn't match up with the whole idea. Uh, you're selling, coming in, playing a backup role, which might be 15 minutes, might be 20 minutes. Um, and that's a hard sell because guys want to show off their skills and they want to do it in a starting role. Well, Trayvon Williams is going to start. He's going to play. He needs to play more. He needs to be more effective when he plays. But you're selling backup minutes, which is a really hard thing to do, um, especially for – and then you're trying to take a player that you don't know a whole lot about. Um, you're asking him to fit into a role uh, that is a hard role to fit in for players today. Um, I, I think in the end, Purdue is probably better off not signing a graduate transfer unless – and there are, there are still guys out there that haven't declared whether they're going to be in the market or not as, as school starts to wrap up. Um, so there, there could be a surprise or two that, that pop open uh, here. Uh, you've got till you know the big beginning of the fall semester really to to get this done. Ideally, you'd like to have them working out with your guys uh, in summer under normal situations. But uh, you know, I think Purdue will continue to examine that market up until the very end. But you know, I, I think they're better off from a probably a chemistry standpoint of just kind of standing pat and going with the. The guys they got coming back next year, it's going to be a guard-heavy team, a perimeter-oriented heavy team right now uh, because that's where that's where your players are. And that's uh, where most of, you know, you've got, uh, you know, three freshmen coming in, two of them are perimeter players. You've got Zach Edney as a, as a post. You know, I think the, the initial goal was to redshirt Edney, uh, but that may not be possible now that you don't have or you don't have anybody established as your backup at the five spot. And so he may have to play minutes uh, this year uh, behind Travion. And, you know, there's some, there's some other lineup uh, matchups you can, you can play with a little bit, but um, most of them get you basically five guards on the floor and, you know, Purdue, Purdue strength, is going to be the perimeter. It's going to be the guard play. It's going to be guys like Eric Hunter and uh, Brandon Newman, uh, Isaiah Thompson. Um, and then you've got your newcomers with Jaden Ivey and Ethan Morton. Uh, so you've got a lot of, uh, um, you've got a lot of guys on the perimeter that are going to, they're going to fight for spots. It's going to raise the competition level in practice. Uh, and hopefully, you know, in the end it makes, makes everyone a little bit better. But, you know, they're not going, as of right now, they're not going to have any seniors and they're not going to have any of that, that kind of leadership. But you've got, you've got enough guys on this roster that have been through it enough that I think they're, they're more than ready to uh, step up in a leadership role. You know, we're going to wrap it up here on, on the podcast. Uh, we're rolling along here. Uh, going up where I didn't know I could talk that much. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to cover since this whole thing has happened and uh, we're not going to try to try to eat a uh, 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 a 32 ounce porterhouse all in one setting here. Uh, we'll we'll save some save some leftovers for down the line. I just hope to to do this a little bit more frequently. And you know, please hold me to that. Send me an email. Send me a note on Twitter. Um, if you have any questions, uh, comments, or whatever, feel free to reach out. Uh, email address is, is at. Uh, the bottom of every story that I write, uh, my Twitter handles at the 
bottom of every story I write at jconline.com. So feel free to, to reach out and interact and, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, I can do a better job of, uh, uh, putting together these podcasts and, uh, and moving, moving in that direction. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by, uh, today and please stay safe. Uh, please help the economy if you can, and please, uh, keep doing what you're doing to, to, to push everything forward. Uh, until next time, uh, we'll, we'll be back. Not going to give you a date because I don't want to be held to it, but, uh, uh, we'll be back next time with another edition of, uh, the Boulders Extra, uh, podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.